Welcome to StartupCTO.io, the podcast where Miles Mathias and Kevin Owaki interview engineering leaders about management, startups, and software, because your CS degree didn't teach you to lead. And now, StartupCTO.io. Hi there, and thanks for tuning in. Our Boulder Startup Week episode streak continues. Today's guest is Ed Johnson, CTO and co-founder of Goalie. Goalie is building a kid's assistant to help kids with cognitive challenges master their daily routines, become more independent, and make their parents less stressed. They're doing this by building a hardware device that kids own, and there's an app that, let, uh, that parents can use. Prior to working at Goalie, Ed was a director of engineering at Qualcomm, and he created and led a global team working on 4G LTE. In this episode, Ed talks about bootstrapping a business, balancing time between maker time and manager time, and also why he started Goalie and what keeps him going in his entrepreneurial pursuits. Enjoy! This week's episode is brought to you by Git Prime. Subjective measures like story points and tickets only tell part of the story of software development. Git Prime gives engineering managers the full picture with metrics and context on team productivity. So you can spot risk, identify waste, move faster, and advocate for your team with hard data instead of a narrative. Stop flying blind and start engineering with concrete data. Find out more at gitprime.com. How you doing? Doing well, thanks, Mom. You have a toy in your hand. I do. <laughs> All right, so tell us about Gowali and about your role there. So we do pronounce it Goalie. Um, Sorry, my total no problem. No Goalie. Problem. So we're building a kid's assistant to help kids with cognitive challenges uh, master their daily routines, uh, become more independent, and to help make their parents less stressed. And by cognitive challenges, I'm referring to kids with autism, ADHD, Down syndrome, and the like. Uh, these, these kids often struggle to get through even some of the simplest morning or evening routines and it often creates a lot of uh, frustration and stress in the household. And uh, we're doing that by uh, building a hardware device that um, the kid owns and then there's a parent side app that helps manage it, uh, the data on it. Cool. How big is the team? Uh, the team is super huge, uh, three co-founders. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> and uh, actually we do have two, two contractors as well. Okay. Cool. Um, and how long have you guys been around? So the founding team was pretty much put together almost a year ago today. Oh wow, congratulations on your anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so how, how is your process for building a hardware uh, device and a software app? What does that entail for you guys? Yeah, so that's, um, that's where it gets tricky. So I, I would say the biggest um, issues in that regard are just the distractions from going from one uh, to 
come into another, uh, whether it's you know mechanical like the shell or uh, dealing with the PCB, the hardware, or the firmware, or the app side. Um, it's, it's very tricky to stay on task, and um, personally, the only way I've been able to do this is to really cordon off you know, specific times or days, uh, preferably, to focus on one versus the other. Um, okay. As well as we have a bunch of advisors that help us out and, and contractors that we lean on as well. So um, that, that's really the, the only solution that we come up with. Scheduling your time yeah, is important. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and really siloing. Um, if you can't beat multiple people, you might as well pretend. <laughs> I mean, speaking of which, I mean, so besides scheduling, how do you balance it all between being the bulk of the dev and then also being a co-founder, executive of the company, dealing with kind of company-wide stuff as well? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's really a lot of the same answer, honestly. Um, I read an article once where it called this the maker versus manager problem. Uh, managers typically operate on the half hour to one hour basis, meeting, meeting, that kind of stuff. The maker, for all the developers out there, right? We want to put our head down and all of a sudden, holy crap, it's five o'clock. What the hell happened? So um, I, I, again, have to block off full days. Um, but with that said, we're a startup. Um, we have to be flexible. If all of a sudden an investor wants to meet at X time, okay, yes, sir, we'll be right there. Yeah, exactly. And you've been at bigger companies before, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. I spent many years at Qualcomm. Cool, awesome. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about was education for developers and engineers in startups. So you have your master's in CS from MIT, and you're a small company startup. So how has that helped you, hurt you, taught you? Not like, What's your feelings on education for a startup? Yeah, so I, I'm definitely a one-size-does-not-fit-all kind of person, for sure. Um, getting bachelor's and master's at MIT has benefited me greatly. Just my ability to solve our harder problems, whatever it is, I feel like I've benefited greatly. However, I've seen many people that have gone to institutions and it, it doesn't seem to help them. A startup uh, requires a lot of, um, a lot of dedication, uh, determination, hard work, uh, um, and uh, initiative. And some people get that through through higher learning, and other people have it innately or get it through actually building a business. So uh, I don't have any one size fits all. I really, I really believe there's many paths in life. And you haven't hired a ton of people, obviously, yet. But what are your thoughts on like how do you evaluate that? You know, right. So I hired a lot of people in corporate, okay. but uh, you're correct. It's all been uh, contractors, uh, mostly online at this point. Yeah. Um, with fully and. Um, are you talking specifically with respect to the higher learning? Yeah, either. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it's not one size fits all. So, I mean, I've seen some people yeah. that have come from very, you know, nice institutions and say, well, like, if you haven't been to Harvard, well, then I'm not hiring you, <laughs> you know? Like, but yeah. personally, I think that's the awful attitude for startups. But, like, how do you evaluate that if it's not one size fits all, you know? Yeah, so I try to take, a, I know it sounds cliche, but I try to take a holistic approach, right? See what projects they've done. If they did go to school, how do they apply it afterward? Um, how, how do they interview over the phone? How do they, you know, speak online? Can they, you know, communicate properly? Um, but I'll tell you, the biggest thing that I learned um, after a lot of recruiting in corporate is that a purely technical interview does not cut it. Um, that, that's like where you put the semicolons in a C code doesn't mean jack. Yeah. Um, what I need is initiative. Uh, drive uh, the ability to solve problems independently. 
that weighed so much higher, and um, so I've started using more behavioral questions. Uh, you know, what would you do? The first three things: what would you do when you if you started here, etc. Some of those things. I will still give them coding questions, but that will not be the only thing. Are your coding questions around practical things that people are going to build in the job, or are you having people write out quicksort on the whiteboard? <laughs> because sadly, I've never done that past my CS degree. And it makes me sad now looking back. So, no, I would give kind of a more high-level design kind of question. I almost hesitate to even get to the full code level. Like, I need to know how you think. That's awesome. Uh, so as a small company, what are some of the things you think your team does really well and why? All right, so um, our team has, there, there are two main things. Um, we heavily focus on quick experimentation uh, to help mitigate risk. There's risk all around you in a startup. Um, and if you take days and months and weeks to, to get something out there for your customers to use, you've wasted a lot of time and effort. So even if it's not the purest solution, as was mentioned prior, uh, we got to get something out there um, to yeah. start getting feedback to know what the consumer, the customers like, what they need, what they hate, etc. Yeah. Secondly, uh, very similar to that, um, our founding team very much prides themselves on taking feedback, whether it's investors regarding the pitch deck or the whole business model itself, or customers on our idea or the fact that we'd like to charge them money for it, um, uh, um, the shape of the device, etc. Everything. Um, we try to take that feedback pretty seriously. How do you guys do feedback uh, specifically around the hardware device? Is it all through the app, or do you guys uh, customer, just schedule? Customer reviews right now. I mean, we're, we're small enough. We, we're on the order of a dozen, almost two dozen people uh, actively using it. So Got it. we schedule customer reviews. Got it. What are some of the things that you guys are working on improving uh, doing as a team? So speaking of feedback. <laughs> Some people give you feedback which sucks and will distract you. So that's exactly what we had happen early on. Um, we were told early by an investor that a bigger market was better. And so we kind of veered away from the, um, the cognitive challenge kids uh, market and headed towards the kind of mainstream neurotypical. Turns out there are more of those kids and hopefully more money. But, that turned out to be a complete distraction, um, and now that we've focused back on the kids with cognitive challenges, we've received so much more support from investors, uh, from parents, from uh, everybody. So I guess we, that happened twice, actually, honestly. It, it, it kept being a distraction. It's like the shiny object that's out there, and we need to stay very focused because there's only so much uh, time and money as far as a runway. So you have to be focused. Yeah, I mean, my experience with that is that you have to kind of also consider the source. I mean, the VC is looking for the big return. <laughs> and you're at a one-year-old company trying to figure out how to make money. We, we call it 2020 mindset. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so what is some advice that you have for engineers that may or may not be in the room that are looking to become a leader, manager, CTO sometime? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I got a couple ideas there. First and foremost, I'll call it step zero actually determine whether that's something you want to do. Engineering is pretty cut and dry and pretty pretty nice, and, and when you start adding people into the mix, it gets messy very quickly. Um, so just make sure that it's something you want to do. Uh, I know it sounds good, but um, sometimes it can be a lot of pain. But um, then in order to head that route, if you do want to become uh, a leader of a group or whatnot, a technical leader, um, 
I think first and foremost, you know, kick ass at your uh, engineering duties. Uh, show that you're able to operate independently um, because that's what a boss who would you know, want to elevate you would, would need. Um, and, uh, and then second of all, the, the thing I probably didn't do until quite a bit after I started leading uh, is, is learn. Like read some books on the material uh, or on the topic and uh, you know, there, there are videos out there of people giving speeches on this kind of topic. I ended up taking some corporate classes um, when you know I had a corporate paying me. But, um, uh, but really, there are lots of free resources out there. Please learn it. I, I mean, there's a lot out there. Uh, what was the story of you meeting your co-founders? So the CEO and I actually worked together at Qualcomm. We knew each other for about mm, six years before he left to go do a startup. Um, and then he had been. Uh, I guess he and the CMO had been dating for about nine months, um, trying to figure out uh, what startup to do and whatnot, and um, the CMO came on board about the same time I came on board after a different failed startup. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, so what are your engineering values? Well, so <clears throat> I'm going to reuse the experimentation and feedback ones, so that's two of them um, that, that we're heavily geared towards. Um, uh, Let's see, another one. If you're gonna have quick experimentation, um, you've gotta have some level of devotion to testing. Uh, I know it doesn't sound very sexy, uh, it's, it, but if you're gonna be doing quick spins and releases left and right, you know, willy-nilly, here goes new feature, X and Y and Z, uh, you gotta have some level of, of testing, whether it's just you know some chicken scratch notes on the back of a napkin um, on a, proce a procedure to do before you hit the release button, you gotta have something. And then lastly, um, all three of us are heavily um, uh, espoused the philosophy of gratitude and appreciation. I, I've been in organizations where the only time you hear from engineering leadership is when shit's hitting the fan uh, and, and it sucks. And um, we don't want to be in that. And uh, so we try to say thank you and appreciate each other uh, more than feels comfortable because that seems about the right amount. That makes sense. Uh, so what are your good engineering war stories? You already told us a couple of investors. Yeah, yeah. So the, the one I wanted to tell harkens back to Qualcomm days. I have some from now, but I'll save those for later in the week. Um, uh, cell phones uh, have a little bit of hardware and software in them to help them operate in uh, temperature ranges. So if you're up skiing versus if it's sitting in your hot car. Qualcomm provides, uh, the Qualcomm hardware team provides reference hardware designs uh, to phone manufacturers. My team provided the firmware to operate said hardware. Uh, one Monday in particular, uh, one of the phone manufacturers came back with some logs and it showed that stuff wasn't looking good. So we said, hey, can you run a few more tests and give us a couple more logs to turn up on Wednesday? We saw that things were pretty effed. Um, and so we said, can you show us your hardware designs? And sure enough, by Friday, we had determined that they had decided to replace a 100K resistor with a 68K resistor. No problem. We found the smoking gun. We had a conference call with them, and they told us, uh, "You know what? We have a lot of 68k resistors." <laughs> and by the way, our production starts on Monday. And we said, "Okay." So, so once we hung up the phone and stopped screaming at the ceiling, um, our firmware team actually, you know, put their heads down, came up with a software solution uh, that, you know, had slightly degraded performance. But the real lesson here, to me, uh, and, and so they went to production just fine. Um, with no one really being the wiser. 
And the real lesson to me is that while engineering can seem black and white, cut and dry, um, sometimes you have to give um, and do something that doesn't feel right. Even though, because what would have happened if we had held our ground? It would have taken a couple of weeks. Both companies would have lost a lot of money and nobody would have been happy. A lot of people would have been screamed at. So that's, that's really my... Follow-up question, did this phone start blowing up a few months later on airplanes? <laughs> no, this is a few years prior to that. Oh, but, okay. but I will tell you, my team, and, and we've never purchased a phone from them. Oh, yeah, mine right here. <laughs> uh, okay, so last question, where can people find you online? All right, I'm, I'm old school. Uh, email ed at goalie.co and uh, on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you very much, Ed. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Find us at startupcto.io or on Twitter at startupcto.io. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next episode.